welcome to RCR. I'm Jason. The Godfather. And our guest, Art. You can introduce yourself, Art. Give yourself a little spin on that. Oh, nice. My name is Arthur Belfield, a.k.a. the boss of all bosses, a.k.a. Lucius Lefner, <laughs> a.k.a. the creator of all, a.k.a. I'm out of a.k.a.s, but I am a comic book writer, journalist, blogger, podcaster. Uh, I do a little bit of everything. I even do a little amateur film work, editing uh, videos, and you know, making little experimental films here and there. Well, I'm, and I'm happy to be here on the shakedown. Yeah, hey, thanks for being here. It's taken us a while to get you here, but I'm glad you finally got here, man. Yeah, it did take us a while. It has. <laughs> We've been trying to get you now for what, what? a couple of months or oh, something like that. Yeah, it has been a couple of months. Yeah, it's yeah, it's I... been a minute. It has. It's and been the a sad minute. part about it. Conversations in the meanwhile, which we could have recorded as a podcast. Yeah, except for my crappy internet and you know no mics <laughs> and all that. So yeah, other than that, yeah, we could have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're here now. I'm yeah, happy. we are. So uh, fill us in on what you're working on, dude. What you been up to? Okay, that's no problem. A little backstory about me. Uh, I started off as a slam poet doing spoken word, deaf poetry type stuff. And then I realized nobody really cared about poetry. You know, people are like, oh, I love poetry. No, people love to go. It's kind of like women that used to date thugs. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, I want a nerd guy. So they go to these poetry slams and poetry events. And a guy get on stage, use a few big words. And then these women are like, oh, Wow. And they think they're on the movie Love Jones or something. Next thing you know, boom, kids happen. Relationships happen. But I got tired of that whole scene and, you know, I started writing. I wrote a novel called Get All the, uh, what's it called? Get All the Coffee Shop, which was poorly edited. It was my first thing that I released that wasn't poetry. And after that, you know, I realized I really wanted to write comic books. It's something that I loved all my life. So I wrote a three-issue miniseries. It's called Battle Eulogy. It's on IndiePlanet.com. Honestly, it wasn't my best effort. It was my first comic book project, so I was still learning the ins and outs of the industry. And I'm glad I put it out there. Um, Marcelo Salala. I think I just messed up his last name. Anyway. He drew it. It was an American manga Dragon Ball Z-ish type book. Uh, it was about a girl named Isis Hannibal. And it wasn't her destiny that she was trying to complete. She was trying to resurrect her father, Hannibal, so he could complete his destiny and defeat the forces of New Rome. That was my first project. Uh, I did it with Ronin Studios, which really wasn't a actual comic book company. I didn't know it at the time. It was more of a message board that used the same logo. So there was no editors, there was no quality uh, checks, nothing like that. But it was a learning experience, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still sounds cool, man. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm thinking about revamping it, you know, now that I've, you know, learned a lot. And I'm uh, more selective as far as artists. And I know about the production and business aspects of it now. You know, that was in 2007. So we're looking at, you know, almost 10 years now. Man, yeah, it's but it's that, the idea. The idea of it sounds mad cool. Though. I w- I would I would probably revisit that because that it sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. I'll send y'all a PDF of it uh, later tonight. Cool. Lunch, uh, 
so y'all can let me know what y'all think. Um, then I got a deal with Arcana Comics for War is Chosen, which is a graphic novel. Uh, it's basically an X-Men 90-ish type book where a group of superpowered individuals get together to stop this group called Black Messiah who's mutilating people along the Texas-California border and experimental experimenting on them with cybernetics and all this crazy stuff but one of the coolest lines from that book is you know how like people say i'm not racist i have black friends right yeah so this one character in there she says i'm not racist i have black friends just not black people uh not black friends with superpowers and then she shoots this guy's head head off wow (laughs) good night Was that uh, the page that you had up? Was that from that? Yes. Man, that, that it looked good. Yeah. It looked real good. And I had J.C. Grande, who's worked with Image Comics, and uh, I believe he worked with IDW and a couple other publishers. He did Johnny Monster for Image Comics. So that time around, I got a great artist who knew what he was doing, who continued my education with the production aspects of it. And that's when I learned the business aspects of it as far as contracts with publishers, who owns the rights to the characters, who owns, you know, this and that. And now I use that information to try to help other creators learn, like, hey, don't give your characters away. There's a difference between uh, North American publishing rights versus worldwide I can't talk to that. Worldwide uh, publishing rights, digital rights, all of this stuff. I had to learn. Nobody, there was, there was no school. Nobody taught me this stuff. And I realized a lot of other creators didn't know this stuff. They might knew how to write, they could draw, they could color, etc. But they did not know the business aspects of it. Which is why now I'm putting together an ebook. It's going to be a little short ebook, probably around 50 pages, but I'm going to give it away for free. I'm not interested in making money on it. I'm interested in helping people learn how not to get effed over in the industry because there's a lot of con artists out there. Uh, I had one friend, he hired an artist. He looked at his art page. Wow, amazing. Blew away by his art. And then he paid the guy. It's like, oh, I only accept payments up front. So he paid him like two or $300. And then the artwork he got back wasn't the same artwork, the same quality as he saw on the guy's DVD art page. So it's a bait and switch. Yeah. And that happens a lot. So what's what's the name of your ebook gonna be? Uh I don't know yet. I wanted to call it Creating Comics One One, but I believe that's taken. So I'm still, you know, playing around with names. Uh, for it, but it will be out uh, late August, early September on Amazon, Kindle, and all that good stuff. You shoot us the link, and we'll we'll put it up. Let everybody know. Awesome. Yeah, because those 101 writing tips you put up oh, on Facebook. Great. Yeah, I, I used to read them on the regular. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> I did. I read and them. And then some of the time. information is gonna be in there. Like uh, I advise all creators, especially in America, and I'm not saying the artist work isn't worth what they want to uh, charge you for but if you're an independent creator you're not going to be able to afford to pay $80 for pencils or $100 for pencils uh, dynamic boom stuff like that uh, publishers like that they can't afford those page rates but as a self-publishing writer you're not going to be able to afford $100 a page 
Yeah. So a lot of creators, they go, they hire artists like in Central America, Mexico, or Italy, or something like that, who will take a page rate of forty or fifty dollars for pencils and inks, and get the same quality, if not better, than the American counterparts who will charge you. $80 or $100. And keep in mind, some of these artists have never drawn a comic book before, yet they're demanding industry rates for their work. So it's a hustle. Mm-hmm. It's a hustle. Yeah. Yeah, it, it sounds like it sounds like a shakedown. It really is. <laughs> this is my thing. I'm not saying their art is worth what they want to charge, but I'm, I'm at the same time, I'm looking at it like, what have you done? What's your body of work? What do you have and to show? Nothing. Yeah, they they are as much a beginner as the as the writer that's trying to get their help, and it's and they're paying professional rates for it. That, yeah, it's that's a tad shady. Exactly. And then you have uh, I'm sure everybody's been to the comic conventions. You have these uh, print artists, fan artists. All they do is fan art. Mm-hmm. And Todd, you can go and draw a picture of Batman right now. It doesn't have to be the best. And it wouldn't be. You can go to. <laughs> <laughs> You can go to Kinko's Office Depot, and some of them have, you know, kind of like, hey, you can't print copyrighted uh, characters, and some of them, they don't care. But this is the hustle. You do your drawing, you go there, they charge you $1.38 to $1.50 if it's color for your print. It'd be 11 by 17 You go to a con, you sell that same print, you print up 100 of them for $10 each. Look at that markup, $1.38 versus $10 that you're selling it for. Yeah. That's some huge margins. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's some good profit there. <laughs> that's, some, that's some profit. Uh, meanwhile, I'm over the, at the table next to you trying to sell a $4 comic book with characters that nobody's ever heard of. Regardless of the quality of the art, people are going to go to your table and get your Batman because they're big Batman fans. Again, regardless of how good the art is, they just want something with Batman on it. Yeah. That's what comic creators are up against, both on an independent level and a professional level. We're up against all these people drawing Batman, Superman, Deadpool, or whatever. That's true. And they're they're walking away making money. Now, I say if Jason lives in Washington State, I live in Texas. If Jason's an artist and I see his artwork and I can't draw, I'm like, what are the chances this guy in Washington State is going to come to Texas? Very slim, right? Yeah. So I just go steal his artwork, take his name out in Photoshop, put my name out there on it, do the same thing that Todd did, go to Kinko's or wherever, make all these prints, and now I'm making money on all these cons off Jason's artwork. I like how you made me the shady one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to tell a story. (laughs) Yeah, thanks thanks for making me the crook. All I want to do is sell my crappy Batman art, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked like a stick figure, but it's got it's got ears and a cape. Leave me alone. Hey, as long as you got the cape and the ears, you're good. Yeah. But that's that's what comic book creators, like I said, both professional and independent, are dealing with at these comic book cons. It's it's a madhouse. That's why you know people like Jim Valentino hasn't been to a comic con in three years. Uh, Eric Larson barely goes to cons because they don't want to have to go and deal with this competition even though they have established fan bases. That is right. You don't see Larson at cons much anymore. Mm-mm. 
But, uh, all right, so we've got what you're working on now. What are some of your other interests? What do you do in your free time, dude? Oh, I like to tell you what I was working on. <laughs> oh, yes? What else you working on? back and bring y'all to the present. Okay. okay. Um, I did a Kickstarter along with Vince White and Tony Catrella, whatever, Abbott Comics, and Rashad Rogers or whatever, called God's Hell, Gator Gods. This is where the drama in my life came from. We did this Kickstarter. We raised over $3,000 on this Kickstarter. Okay. Very successful. We got screwed out of that Kickstarter. Oh, what happened? Y'all want to know the drama? Oh, yeah. yeah. Go for it. Oh, yeah. Go for it. I ain't scared. Okay. I wrote the story. Vince White came in and did some touches, uh, touches on the script. It was going to be like this big black uh, comic book character crossover. We were going to do three issues. The book was almost finished before we did the Kickstarter. Keep in mind, Vince and I worked on the story. Tony, Advent Comics, took over the whole project as far as the next thing we know, before we even had copies. People had copies of the book. He had it on his website, on digital platforms. He just took it all over, and all we did was feature a couple of his characters. Wow. All the money from Kickstarter disappeared mysteriously. Yeesh. So there was some heated emails going back and forth. And this ain't slander. This is reality. What happened? Wow. <laughs> That's... You know, meanwhile, the fans are like, hey, uh, what's going on with issue two and three? Well, let's see. Well, one person that was involved in the project who was ran the Kickstarter, uh, he kind of disappeared on us. And selling the book that he didn't write or anything without permission, he took all this $3,000, and we know the perks would have been covered with about $500. The rest of the art probably, no, let me get that. Perks would have been covered with $200. The rest of the art probably about $500. So there was at least $2,000 on account. This was big drama. Yeesh. Yeah, yeah, that would be some drama. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely some drama behind that. I guess that falls into the comic book one-on-one rules. Know you exactly. working with But it it taught me a lesson. Never let anybody control your finances, which is why I'm telling the story now. It's because if you're doing any kind of collaboration with other people that you barely know, you don't know when they're just going to take your money and run. Yeah. Yeah. That's something to think about. It is. It's like I I see people paying artists all the time up front. Never see the artwork. They don't even see a shitty Batman drawing with ears. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Who my Batmans? Man, I got kids to feed. <laughs> exactly. So, anything to take away from this is it was a life lesson. I learned don't do business with this man. But I guess man, I, I guess to learn that, that kind of stuff, you have to get burned. Yeah. Yeah. Man, poor guys who uh, worked so I know, hard on it. I feel bad for the fans. Yeah. You know? Because people literally, they told me that, like, hey, we, we enjoyed this story. This was a good story. And how many black comic uh, book character crossovers do we get? We had Street Team, but I think that was just one issue. Uh, and then they did a video game, but that was years ago. Yeah. And once you get much past Milestone and that kind of stuff, yeah, it starts getting a tad. Exactly. Oh, what I'm working on now, I'm working on a, a, a Luke Cage Power Man Power Man and Iron Fist, Iron Fist, Iron Fist type book 
because the one David Walker's doing now is cool, but it's still like a throwback to the, how they used to be. I want to put them in a setting that's more gritty, more now, more kind of like The Wire. That's okay. the kind of Luke Cage, Iron Fist type story. I'm working on that with a, another writer called Ethan Harmon, who uh, has a new project called Shit Six. I told you I can't talk to that. Six Shooter that should come out in the fall as well from Cell Studios. Okay. Do you have any? To, do you have any free have, time? Do I have any free time? Yeah. God. No. Because <laughs> I'm working on that. I'm working on another project that I. I can't discuss because I'm in negotiations with uh, a couple publishers. But mm-hmm. it's, I'll tell you on a simple premise. It's about crisis management in a superhuman environment. That's all I can say about this project. But I have a few publishers that are interested. Nothing's been signed yet. So I have my fingers crossed. And ironically, I'm using the same artist that did uh, that drew God's Hell, Gate of the Gods for this project. Close Rodriguez, who's a fantastic artist. Okay. Now, when you get that up and going, you know, you got to come back and tell us about it. Oh, definitely. All right. Cool. What is my next interview question, Si? All right. Uh, what are your inspirations? God. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody always says, God, my mom, my puppy. Um, Chris Claremont. Growing really? up in the hood, young black kid, ashy knuckles, back to the wall. Have to hustle. Wait, that's Jay Z lyrics. But Chris Claremont, uh, his run on X Men, you know, uh, that really inspired me. Um, the old Conan comics that I don't even know who drew them or wrote them, but the old black and white Conan. Yeah. Those were huge influences on me. Then growing up watching Battle of the Planets and Robotech, you know, so all that early animated, I didn't even know the name for it at the time, I didn't know it was called anime. You know, um, Dragon Ball Z, all those different influences have inspired me then and they still inspire me now. You know, I'm a kid from Fort Worth, Texas, who lived in low poverty areas. You know, like my mom, you know, she was on welfare, you know, food stamps. We didn't have money for comic books and stuff like that. But I saw kids with them, and I would trade them little toys I would get here and there just to read them. And, you know, when Night Thrasher came out, I remember I was all excited. I was like, oh, this is cool. New Warriors number one. Are you Richard Ryder? He just dropped something off a building. That's the coolest shit ever. Yeah, yeah. I can remember those. And (laughs) I'm still a huge Night Thrasher fan. I still want to see uh, New Warriors comic done correctly. When in the present day, I, I said I haven't seen it outside of the original series. But I was influenced heavily by whatever comic books or anime I could get my hands on. Uh, at the same time, I was a big Public Enemy fan, a uh, big X-Clan fan. You know, I was all about the red, black, and green. I hear you. And then I realized I couldn't be militant because I was attracted to white girls. <laughs> <laughs> so you end up... You end up like the Black Power Revolutionary from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, kill Whitey. Oh, baby, not you. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. But I had to get out of that whole black nationalist type mentality because a lot of it, it's kind of like now. You know, people are screaming Black Lives Matter, but how many of these people are protesting? How many of these people are doing anything outside of venting on social media? 
you know, about one percent. So know, I realized I was too lazy to go join any kind of social movement or anything <laughs> like that. So I, you know, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you so let- once you realize that you're too lazy to do anything <laughs> outside of just bitch and flame, that changes your whole activist type mentality. You know, so I was like, man, I'd rather go over here and flirt with girls or rather write a story or do uh, draw a painting or something like that. So that was the end of my black nationalist type mindset. So cops, you're safe if you're listening. Um, <laughs> We definitely need to have you back on on Blacks Talk Black. That would be great. That would be just the best. Oh, um, on which on which one? Blacks Talk Back. It's what we do for you listeners who out there who don't know. It's where we give the black perspective and experiences on things. Basically, it can it ranges. Some people are pro certain things, against certain yeah. things. We give different yeah. sides to every. Yeah, story. we try to give different sides to whatever's going on in the black community at the time. Or we use the vent. One of them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Usually both. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of times there's a lot of vetting. <laughs> but it's you always hilarious. Have like a weave versus non-weave like debate. We <laughs> usually find two sides to it, and we have two people to talk about the two. Yeah. Sides. So you know, if if you want to be pro weave or you know anti weave, you know, just let me know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna ask you: Do y'all are y'all pro or against women with weave, or y'all just don't give a shit? Depends. Yeah, it, it completely depends. Some weave is great. Some is, now you know that doesn't look right. Now you know that doesn't look real. Like I said, as long as they've got hair, uh, that's that's really, <laughs> that, that, that's really all I can do. You have hair. I don't, I don't really care if you bought it or, I, don't get me wrong. I love, I love a sister with natural, but you know, if, I'm, I'm cool with it fake until I touch it. <laughs> And you know, if it feels like dead or if it looks like yarn or something, that's where I start having a problem. Yeah. Not yarn. Yeah, you know, if you're going out and she looks like Raggedy Ann, then there's a problem Ooh. for me. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. I, that's flammable. Yeah, well, well it's, it's, it's not just that it's yarn, but you know, if it's like really bright, kind of unnatural ass, Psylocke wannabe purple oh, or man. bright red. <laughs> Or if you go out and you look like Thing 1 or Thing 2, that's a problem for me, too. <laughs> but, you know. I ain't saying I wouldn't date you. I just wouldn't be seen with you. <laughs> I got hats. So you said you would date her late at night when it's in low light. Yeah, I, I just give her a hat. I'm the top father. I got plenty of hats. We just rock, you know, we just rock hats. <laughs> I ain't got no, no shit. Just, it's a YouTuber named Tommy Sotomayor. Mm. He calls women with weaves. He said they wear hair hats. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Tommy. Tommy's gonna start popping up on the blaze, but that's that's on another something. Hey, so oh, yeah. he, he he needs to get some lotion though. I'm, oh, I'm just oh, saying. Well, he does. He was he was on that dogging out black folks after these last two shootings, and that Joker looked like he'd been rolling around in flour. <laughs> he, he need to do something about that. <laughs> so a big roundabout question. We got, we got one or two left. Number one, if you could have, what's your dream job? What is your big aspiration? Some people want to be the greatest artist who ever lived. Some people just want their mom to be proud of them. What's your, what's your dream job and, and dream project and aspirations and such? Oh, nice. I like this question. Oh, first of all, no, my dream job, honestly, as much as I love, you know, creating independent comic books and 
writing my own characters and stuff like that. I would really love to write Superman because I just feel that he's been such a struggle for people to write for years. And people are like, oh, he's too powerful. No, he's not that powerful. You just need to learn how to tell a story where it's, he doesn't overwhelm his villains and create some villains that are equally as powerful or as more. You know, I love stories with Daredevil where he's fighting somebody like Thanos because he has to use his brain to figure out, hey, how do I beat this guy? With one hit or one blast, energy blast, he can kill me instantly. So how can I beat him? And those are the type of stories I would love to tell with Superman. Um, I don't think his history, as far as Krypton, has been really developed. You know, it's like in Krypton's place in the universe. You know, they was like, oh, it was destroyed and leave it at that. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things that they really haven't done with the character. Um, I also would love to be the first black writer on an ongoing basis writing the X-Men. I mean, they stole the concept from our civil rights movement. It's only right that one of us get to write it at least once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right. I'm right there with you on that one. You, you really. The fact that the X Men have never had a black writer is really a sin and a shame. I mean, it just is, and it, you know, it it shows. It, the X Men have always worked the best when they were about inequality, and when they run to other stuff, it it's the state of the book now is trash. I mean, it's 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 garbage. <laughs> it yeah. it went, Marvel does not care about the X Men right now. Well, really, right now, it seems like the only thing Marvel really kind of cares about, and we've got a podcast on, is the cheap pop. Oh, yeah. You know, can they kill somebody? Can they replace somebody? Can they race swap somebody? Can they gender swap somebody? Can Captain America be a Nazi? It's a cheap pop. The days of, of Walter Simonson or Chris Claremont, where they told a story that you actually had to pay attention to, are gone. Yeah, I mean, just completely gone. Now it's what's the big event, and the issues after the big event are just the build up to the next big event. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what that's their business model now. Event, yeah. event, event, event. Yeah. Kill subplot. You don't believe in them uh, because those events, like them or hate them, they draw more people into the books, and their numbers go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it gets them on. They can get on CNN or the or the nightly shows, or you get a crawl on the news if you know you find out. Hey, Captain America's actually been a Nazi all this time. Oh, it's you know it's it's on the news. Hey, you find out you know Superman's been in love with Batman all this time. It, it'll get you on the news. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's that's the, that ends up being a big event. You know, Superman comes out. It's everywhere. Or you know. Yep. Wonder Woman dies. It's everywhere. But to tell a to tell a good Superman story, yeah, you know nobody cares that you won't you won't end up on the news going, hey, you know this run of Superman is really good. Now you gotta have, you know, Jimmy Olsen explode or the Hulk get shot in the face with a bow and arrow or something, and that'll that'll be your little cheap pop. That and the new number one, which is what we're trying to do here at RCR. This is the all new, all different RCR review. <laughs> yeah. This this is like the number one episode. <laughs> Wait, y'all haven't gender swapped or anything? Right? No, I no, race no, no. swapped. Ah, yeah. I announced, I announced that on a inaugural. Yeah, I race swapped. Yeah, and we have a girl I'm, now. We have yeah, a, we added yeah, the team. Yeah, we diversity. We got, yeah, we got diversity now. I am now a black person. Hmm. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I 
guess we got to invite you to the secret black people meeting we have at Church's Chicken. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> no, huh? true story. Um, we have, I don't know if y'all have where y'all live. We have a restaurant called Raising Cane's. Mm. We don't have that. Well, basically all they sell are chicken tenders. And they have the sauce that they're famous for. Uh, my day job is in a call center, and we have a, a big population of black people, uh, some African-Americans, some Afro-Americans. And I told them, I was like, y'all, y'all like Raising Cane's? They were like, yeah, we love it. I was like, y'all know they have Louisiana hot sauce packages. They all flipped out. Everybody went to Raising Cane's. They like changed the game. Wow. You know, once you put that hot sauce on the chicken, it's a game changer. <laughs> Is that in the encyclopedia? Yeah, it's in right the rule. It should okay. be. Okay. And like I said, right handbook you're given when you're born. Well, see, like I said, I got race swapped, so I won't find out until the next meeting. I yeah. guess I guess there's a care package <laughs> or something. Well, see, you sign up for the newsletter, and we, we send out every month. Oh, yeah. sweet. <laughs> I think I messed up. I told somebody about the newsletter. I told somebody about the newsletter a couple weeks ago. It kind of. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd always heard that that was like Fight Club or the fact that Israel's got the nuclear bomb. That was just something everybody knew see, you th- kept you, to yourself. You say it, but see, if you say it enough, no one thinks it's real. Oh, okay. That's true. Well, you know, I'll, I'll see all y'all at the next meeting. Okay. Yeah, I hope Beyonce's there. <laughs> oh, Beyonce, see, you see, we rotate who gets to speak at the meetings. Oh, okay. That whole Lemonade Month was like a promotional thing. So oh, she okay. got to speak that whole month. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I still think. Beyonce and that tranny from Origin is the new black. It's the same person. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because I don't like Beyonce. I mean, honestly, I have you seen them two in the same room at the same time? <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh. On that note, we're going to wrap up this shakedown before the beehive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't have the beehive. I'm newly black, man. I can't have the beehive after me. I got to learn to be afraid of cops already. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag newly black. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that well, beehive. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me today. Oh man, thank you for being here, dude. It was it was worth the wait, man. Oh yeah. Uh, you fr- there's one last part. I almost forgot the best part of RCR: the shameless self promotion. Go ahead and plug your stuff. Where you can find your art, find your pictures, find anything you're doing. Awesome. Uh, you can buy my graphic novel Wars Chosen on Comicology app. You can also buy Battle Eulogy issues one through three on IndiePlanet.com. You can follow me at AL Belfield at Twitter. Yeah, that's my Twitter. AL Belfield at Twitter. Uh, and that's it. Uh, I got some other projects, uh, some that should come out this fall. I will definitely keep y'all updated. Mm-hmm. And. When the ebook comes out, I shall be back to promote it. And yep. Again, it will be a free download. All right, man. Thanks for being here, dude. We appreciate it.